you know, England has is the probably the first team which has actually for you know had has three different they're working on three different teams for all the three formats. Yes. And fortunately we have resources. No, yes. Yeah, see, it is if you start looking at players according with that perspective, it yes. helps. And quite quite uh, surprisingly, uh, you know, during the commentary uh, uh, in the match in the last series, uh, Wakar Yunus alluded to this aspect. He says that uh, I think the point that England why they have become successful is that they have specialized. They're looking at specialized players for each format. What's up, nerds? Uh, welcome back to the State of Cricket, brought to you by Cricket Huddle. I'm your host, Rugved, joined by my amazing friends, Nikhil, Amol, and Rohan. And today we've got a new guest on the show. We've got a cricket writer, a romantic, Sanjeet Mishra, who joins us from Singapore. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to him about his new book. Uh, as always, we're going to get the party started by what's happened in the past couple of days. I mean, of course, uh, the two T20s happened between India and Sri Lanka. But what we're going to be talking about today is Ben Stokes. So I actually had a chance to watch his documentary, Phoenix from the Ashes. And uh, it was an eye-opening documentary because that guy has just pretty much put himself out there like no one else. And with everything that's happening with baseball and the new format of test captaincy, there was a fantastic article by Andy Bull. Uh, which talked about uh, what other captains can really learn from Ben Stokes. So what we're going to be talking about today is uh, this new style of captaincy in test cricket especially. Uh, is it the way forward? And do we really have to follow that particular model? And uh, really, as always, we'll get the party started. And uh, over to you guys. I'm going to let it out because... Uh, there's a lot of frustration being built because of what's going on in Indian cricket. But let me first talk about basketball. So uh, I think uh, it's so. There, there's one one thing which needs to be considered here. It's in basketball. It's either you go in full uh, on on the on the concept, or you just uh, leave it and stick to your traditional uh, approach. It, it, there is no middle ground in there. Uh, because if you look at England, they have been uh, fully committed to the format, the way they play, the, that uh, style of cricket. And I think that's the reason why they have seen success uh, lately. Uh, and earlier, if you, and that's the same thing that happened for them in uh, ODI and T20 cricket after 2015 World Cup. Uh, and it has completely changed. And it's not just the captaincy. It's the uh, the coaching, the management staff, which is very important in order to uh, adapt to this new format. And I think that's where uh, most of the other cricket uh, folks, uh, the cricketing uh, nations are lacking, is the they like the approach called basketball but not it's not for everybody because the brand of cricket the the risk that has because in that approach you can score 400 500 runs but then there's a chance you can get out all out for like 50 55 60 runs so i think it's a risky way of playing cricket and i think brendan mccullum is the 
core reason why the the, the format the, the approach has been successful for England and uh, full credit goes to him and then I, I, I don't know I, I I'm not I'm not sure about this thing so firstly buzzball is just a buzzword okay so, uh, secondly uh, they have not come up against any really serious opposition they have not played ashes in Australia and won they haven't come to India and beaten us Okay. Uh, even though we did go and we did lose, I think that was more our uh, idiots uh, not playing up to their potential and squandering an opportunity, but nothing to do with basketball. Okay. Secondly, uh, my question is number one to nine spots in sports are taken by football. Uh, England has won everything in white ball that there is. Okay. They have won the ODI World Cup at home, which is great. They have won now the T20 World Cup in Australia. I mean, they have conquered the white ball format. So. What has happened? Nothing. Nothing has happened. It, cricket is still a distant fifth in, in terms of uh, the picking order of sports. Uh, so this is all just uh, for English commentators to jerk off on and uh, having to, and mental masturbation or whatever the term is uh, to say, oh, baseball this and baseball that. Nothing has changed. It's all the same. All it will take is 30 all out when they try to play baseball and then everybody will be on their ass. That's it. Exactly. Uh, when Sateshwar Pujara recently scored his fastest test hundred, uh, I think Wasim Jafar came out with a tweet or social media message that Pujara Pujara can do a baseball, but can can any can, can baseball do a pooch ball? And that's true. Mm -hmm. So baseball has not been tested in Australia. Did you say poo ball? Pooch ball. Poo ball. Right. So basketball has not been tested on bouncy tracks on Durban or Perth or any wicket in Australia. Or our famous uh, you know Michael Vaughan's favorite wicket at Narendra Modi Stadium. So survive Akshar Patel and I'll 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 exactly I'll, I'll say, let, you know, let basketball mind. come to Narendra Modi Stadium where Akshar Patel <laughs> is throwing those Jalebi's yeah. at you, and then let's see how it survives. <laughs> you know, and and the, uh, what Amol said is right. The data is there. The seven out of the ten tests that they have had, nine they won nine out of ten, and seven have been played at home. And if you compare the four test matches that India played in 2021 versus the last test match that happened in 2022, the pitch were drastically different. In the last test match, the pitch was even a belter on day four and day five. Uh, and the three test matches in Pakistan, even Ramiz Raja called them national highways, the pitches. So these were all belter pitches. So on belter pitches, yes, this technique or this this approach of you know going for 500 runs a day might work, but one day it will backfire, especially against a good quality attack, whether it's a good spin or a good fast bowling, it might backfire. So. I have a slightly different take on this. Uh, uh, I mean, see, I think baseball is a reflection of Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes' personality. Uh, the concept, uh, because I had the fortune of meeting both of them uh, personally and speaking to them about uh, before uh, both Ben Stokes became the captain and uh, McCullum took over as uh, as the coach. Um, it, it's basically an aggressive brand of cricket, and uh, it's it's base. It's nothing new. 
we have seen this kind of approach from the old West Indian team in the 1970s and 80s. You had Greenwich, Haynes and Richards at number one, two and three, belting the ball all around the park. Whoever it may be, it may be Lily or Willis at the other end or Imran Khan. Yes, uh, we need to, it, it's definitely a fresh, uh, kind of fresh air, which is uh, now uh, helping uh, reignite interest in test cricket. It has definitely caught uh, the headlines. Uh, Amol alluded to the fact that it's still uh, one to nine remains football as the top nine game. Uh, I mean, top nine uh, followed uh, whatever uh, items in, in England. It is true. Cricket can never become a number one sport like football because it's a very, very complex sport. It's not easy to play. It is. A, it requires very, very high degree of skill. And it's very difficult to understand. Uh, a lot of us uh, think that it's very easy easy to play, but when uh, staying in a non-cricket playing country like Singapore, I find that people find here locally they find it very difficult to play cricket, even to understand the game. So yes, uh, cricket might never become number one in the world or even number five in terms of thing, but it could possibly have a space like what baseball has in the US or basketball in the US. And there's no other basketball league which is as famous as the one in the US, right? But it itself is quite big. Uh, now, coming back to the point where uh, has will baseball succeed in other uh, countries or not, we need to look at the, the, the players, you know, they started with New Zealand, right? Them playing against New Zealand in at home in England. Now, when you look at the Kiwi bowling attack, of course, it is it is pretty good in terms of swing bowling, right? You had Saudi and Bolt. So, if you if you break up as to what kind of bowling attacks that it has been successful against, it has been successful against favorable condition of seam and swing bowling, right? The bounce, yes, I agree. We have not had matches on bouncy wickets for it to be tested. That is one question mark. But yes, it's been tested under heavy seeming and swing conditions. It has also been tested, if you look at the wickets at uh, uh, you know, Rawalpindi uh, and also, uh, uh, where did they play? Rawalpindi, uh, Karachi and Multan. Right? Multan was a very different pitch. It was not a highway at all. Contrary to what Ramiz Raja said. It was not a highway. It was a very difficult pitch to bat on. And then you had Abrar Ahmed's uh, mystery bowling. Playing a, a finger spinner uh, who can bowl everything, basically. So, he's a throwback to the early 1900s. We had bowlers who were like this. So, the pace bowlers that we talk of, Sidney Barnes, uh, Wilfred, uh, Wilfred Rhodes, whenever he used to bowl pace, used to be like this. And... Uh, I think the modern-day examples are Kumble and Mahesh Tiksana, who bowl exactly in the same fashion. So, so it has been tested against a mystery sp uh, spinner. May not have been tested on dust dust bowls against a quality spin attack, uh, like and like with which has Ashwin or Jadeja, right? So. It has covered most of the grounds. Yes, I think that the test series when England played against India or when England goes down to Australia, probably that will be the final uh, test. But it, but uh, the baseball, the way they're playing it may not exactly be the same. We did see that in Pakistan too. The first test was played in a very different way where they put on 600 runs. Uh, 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 but if you see the second test which England played, 
the run rate was much lower and there was much more circumspection about the batting no and that's that's exactly back. what the that's exactly what the discussion is right that does this have a long rope of uh, you know being sustainable as a format and, uh, for test captaincy and, and the and only reason the only reason i say that is because ben stokes has come out pretty much from nowhere he had his documentary out he's uh, he's given that ray of hope to england with uh, again i mean he's a phenomenal player no doubt i think the best all-rounder in the world in the white ball format for sure he deserves all the accolades but i think i think it's they are overestimating uh, test cricket because it's not as simple as just coming out there and you know batting it out as you're playing a t20 game or a one day game because you're playing with the red ball nobody's taking that into account and that's why um, it, it just seems uh, too early to call it even a revolution as english cricket is talking about and uh, that's why the circumspection right the the revolution said- the revolution happens uh, it doesn't happen overnight so i think you all mentioned about ashes right i think they they failed in ashes i guess because i think after the india game uh, the remaining test the next series was an ashes i guess no. which they lost badly no, so, no, no. that that was no, no, ashes was before ashes was one year ago ashes, ashes was last down in australia they they lost badly though i think i think yeah, the concept yeah. of uh, hitting uh, playing aggressive cricket i think uh, it's all about uh, bringing back excitement in test cricket right now cricket is in at that state where uh, i think a lot of the teams are kind of you see in odis or any other format you see no crowd interested i think uh, there was a cricket overdose recently and uh, like uh, after t20 world cup i think there was too much cricket and um, not many people were interested in watching any of the games and uh, in test cricket i think the concept of like having an aggressive a different approach uh, it's exciting i think it's fun uh, scoring 500 uh, runs in a day yeah hell yeah i would love to watch the entire 90 overs even uh, the entire day's play without the highlights and i would just watch it again because that's that that's exciting you know even how much How right. much is the difference um, that basketball has made and Brendan McCullum, and how much of that is down to? It's an open question. How much of that is down to the personality of Ben Stokes now that he has been allowed to express himself? I think that the basketball is overrated and Ben Stokes is underrated, in my view. I would I would even go further and I would I would even ask a question that is it just Ben Stokes' personality or uh, McCullum's personality, or is it the resources at hand for England? because even if you put a ben stokes and a brandon mccallum let's say in the current south african squad or in the current pakistan squad you won't get a basketball out of them because they don't have you can't you can't have babar azam mohammad rizwan and uh, sarfraz ahmed bat in this fashion right or you can't exactly. have gilma bauma and uh, dean elgar bat in this fashion you can't no i right? probably the first team which is actually for you know had has three different they are working on three different teams for all the three formats yes and fortunately they have resources no yes yeah, see it is if you start looking at players according with that perspective it yes. helps and quite quite uh, surprisingly 
you know, during the commentary uh, uh, in the match in the last series, uh, Wakar Yunus alluded to this aspect. He says that uh, I think the point that England, why they have become successful is that they have specialized, they're looking at specialized players for each format. Yes. Where given the money and the players that England has, they can, they can, they can do it. But, you know, for, for a team like Pakistan, it's a little difficult because the board also doesn't have money to, you know, pay the test cricketers the same amount of money that uh, that a T20 uh, franchise would like to. I mean, that's where the whole issue comes. You see all the South Asian boards uh, and unfortunately, even the BCCI with their amount of money that they have, uh, their contracts are specially structured in the way that whoever plays all the three contracts gets the highest grade. So no, and that's, that's exactly the the whole point of it, right? Because uh, the big three can afford everything. They can afford yeah. the best curators. They can afford uh, the best facilities. They can even afford the broadcasting right revenue that, that they have. So they can afford people not coming to the stadiums and watching the games. I think where the question becomes, even with a country like Pakistan, who's got a decent pace attack, uh, yeah. they're not able to do much because, uh, first of all, England did not win convincingly with the baseball. If it was yeah. like a white, I mean, they won all the test matches. Yeah, absolutely. all test matches they were they were oh. about to lose also on the last. Yeah, game. exactly. Pakistan messed up in the last hour. In at least exactly. Had it been an Australia or I would even say India, I don't think India it's going to work that. against strong teams like that, especially in all three test matches. I mean, it could work in one game, hundred yeah. percent, but can that? be a sustainable way of playing test cricket now. I mean, I do agree with the fact that I think it's very entertaining for the crowds, which is fantastic. But uh, besides that, I don't see any any future. And, and I think it has to do with the resources. Because if you if you take the, the approach of baseball batting, which is attacking batting and scoring six and over or maybe five and a half and over, I can go back to 1997 and recall the partnership between Azaruddin and Sachin Tendulkar when India were like 5 for 70 in response to 500 plus from South Africa. And the way these two guys batted, 169 Sachin and 120-something Azaruddin. And in one session, they scored like close to 200 runs. So, that was baseball style batting. Then very recently, 2014, Christmas test in Australia, Melbourne, happened to be Dhoni's last test. Ajinkya Rane and Virat Kohli. I mean, Ajinkya Rane would be the last guy you would expect to play baseball kind of cricket. But he was involved in that kind of cricket, right? Against the likes of Mitch Johnson. Right? Mitch Johnson and Josh Hazelwood and all these guys. And these guys belted them all over the park on the G, at the G, right? So, it's, it's resource-oriented. England, I, I always see all these experts coming out and saying, Oh, everybody should follow England's template in T20 cricket. And then even India tried. Oh, we want bowlers who can bat. And they forgot the bowler's primary skill has to be bowling. And so we went for bowlers. We went for, I hate to use the term, but the Manjareka's favorite term, bits and pieces players. And we went for bits and pieces players. And they couldn't bowl. You know, and that is what England is lucky that Mark Wood, who is a genuine pace bowler, and his skill is bowling and he can take wickets. Fortunately, he can bat. But that's a bonus. Is there, is there, is there any lesson that other teams such as Australia or India can take from baseball? I mean, I mean, I've been shitting on baseball and I will continue to shit on baseball because it's not a thing. But if it if it were a thing, 
then what lessons do you think uh, we can glean from it for other test match uh, nations? I think Australia actually has uh, implement. I mean, if you see the the spirit of baseball, which is aggressive cricket. Okay, let's let's put it that way. Yeah. Australia already has that. If you look at their uh, their their batting, I mean, with Warner, Faja, uh, and and uh, you know Labuschagne and Smith, they can accelerate at any point in in time, and we have seen that, especially when they're playing at home, and you know uh, on those on those bouncy pitches, which which they're familiar with, they really score at a very fast rate. And they can go the full throttle. Whereas for India, I think uh, our uh, the the issue is with the wickets that we have here. Unfortunately, most of the wickets that we prepare for home series are dust bowls, or if not hundred percent, then at least seventy five percent. If I mean, I I won't be surprised if out of the four pitches we have for the next Australia series, three are dust bowls. So you you cannot. I mean, there, there has to be a. See, normally a test match pitch is what? First two days, it supports the bat batsman. The next uh, days, the last three days, it starts supporting the spinners. If, if, the, if uh, you know, it starts helping the spinners. So, that's how the, the pitch has to be. It has to be an equal contest between the bat and the ball. You can't have a dust ball where now, unfortunately, if the other side has good spinners, we also struggle. And, and, and uh, with India, because of just the pitches, but even in India... If if you want to play baseball kind of cricket, I think with the current lot that plays test cricket, uh, Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli can play that brand of cricket. But then so you will have to pass it now. Like Virat, Virat Kohli and uh, Rohit Sharma probably won't last more than more than this series if if the things go the way exactly. they are. But probably I mean, they are capable. The team. Exactly. All I'm saying is they are capable. But you will have to then induct somebody like Surya, and then you no, no, you break no, that. No, no. Not really. You break that format of having Surya for a, a specific format, right? Yes. So, so that is the problem that most of the nations are going to uh, face. So my opinion is not play. England again has the resources to play that brand of cricket. So other teams may not necessarily copy that entire template, but maybe play it as per the situation. So when yes. in a when in a given session, if the pitch is better and you have the two batters, let's say you have a set Virat Kohli and a set Shreya Sahir, and maybe they can baseball it in that session. See, I think even in the test team, uh, it's, a, it's a, like we all agree that test is a different ball game altogether because you know there are so many dimensions to it. So even a test. Test eleven. I mean, a batsman who who play on on only Test cricket can also be aggressive. You need not have to play a T20 game. So Surya Kumar Yadav can probably never doesn't have the technique to play Test cricket. That is the but mistake think, that probably I our players do because they keep messing up the whole thing. You can't yeah, one of the things you... Indian cricket has done is all this uh, talk that Rohit Sharma and now Hardik Pandya saying. We're going to bat a certain way, and in T20 cricket, we are just going to go blitzkrieg from ball one. If they do the premeditated style, it's not going to work. It doesn't work for India in T20 cricket. It won't work for them in Test cricket for sure. In fact, it this format cannot work for any team in any format if you just go by it. You have to. That's what makes cricket different, right? It's based on the pitch, based on the conditions, due all those factors, right? And and the mental mindset of the coach and the captain, it is it is McCullum and Stokes. Yeah. We have to understand what their philosophy is. 
even mckellum when he was the captain if you remember in 2015 a world cup final he went bang bang from the first ball and he got bowled in the second right the yeah. second ball was where he was clean bowled by uh, uh, mitchell stark so yeah. his mindset is very different so he 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 says that you know it's a risk return trade off it's like investing and no absolutely on the other hand absolutely. ben stokes ben stokes has a never say die attitude right he's a person who uh, can, can uh, you know there's, there's tremendous self belief and contrary to you know what you see outside the pitch where he gets into altercations and he has had issues with that which is temperament but on the pitch he's high school he's like john bjorn borg of the old uh, tennis era so yes and they have the backing they have the backing of the of 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 the ecb that yes you go ahead and play this brand of like what they did to oin morgan right in 2015 after the 2015 world cup they said you have a team and you go ahead and implement what you want you have a four year runway to the 2019 world cup whereas we yeah. don't have that our captain is 34 years old is not fit uh, virat kohli has not is averages 26 in test cricket in the last four years still we uh, we have to select him to play because of sponsorship pressures you can't have uh, a new brand of cricket with these kind of players in your team you need to Agreed. have you, you need yeah. to have a fresh blood in yeah yeah give them give them the backing and have a strategy in place what you want to do if 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 they if baseball has worked for them and baseball for me is nothing different from what the west indies cricketers used to do in the 80s it's as simple as that you had the top 3 firing all guns and then you had gomes and uh, and uh, lloyd to steady the ship but then and here is the other yeah. point that i read from the article that also comes to point is look at what happened with uh, ben stokes off the field but england still took a gamble which again 20 years ago england would have literally discarded yeah. somebody like ben stokes the old english cricket you know would have discarded they they were i mean uh, shane won playing at lords uh, for the county uh, you know and shane won smoking in the dressing room was frowned upon and then he came out one day when the members complained against him he came out in front of the members smoked just before going on the field and then took five wickets so what shane won was trying to say is you shouldn't care what i do off the field as long as i go on the field and i do my job right and, and that's that's what actually that's why i mean i'm going to circle back and uh, you know pretty much i think we talked team, about every aspect and management overall including bcci is not doing that case in point prithvi shaw 100% 100% and i think i think that's what uh, i i'd like to speak at the end with the ben stokes documentary i mean i did not know about the fracas of how and why he did those things you guys should watch that documentary for sure it's on amazon prime it's just fantastic it have kind you, of is have like, you also seen that youtube video of that incidents when it happened and when he got arrested and how no cool i did and how i, cool I and he had I had rose-tinted glasses because you saw a cricketer hitting someone, and you just thought the cricketer is wrong. And based on yeah. Ben Stokes' personality, but he was not at all rude with the police officer. He was cooperative, and he was like, "Yes, I I accept. I did it. I will no, explain but... the court why what the reasons were. But right now, I will be in full cooperation with you." and and again i don't want to give away because i mean clearly none of us know what the um, or maybe some of you know it 
but i think i did not know it i was taking ben stoke saying hey he's a brat you know and he kind of he's did not. it his own way he's not yeah he's not he's he's yeah. a very sensible guy and that's yeah. what that documentary really shows right and so that, when i saw that that's exactly came to my mind that people are probably misreading somebody like prithvi shaw i mean you yeah. have to also remember prithvi shaw's upbringing he was brought up by a single parent and then you know suddenly the fame i mean prithvi shaw doesn't come from a family like sachin tendulkar where there are hundreds of people to kind of you know support him and keep him on the ground yeah you know you don't want prithvi shaw go vinod kamli way rather you would like prithvi shaw go sachin tendulkar's way because he has that talent no completely agree completely agree because in general in cricket there's a narrative that goes on and that narrative just sticks yes. with the player right so yes. that happened with ben stokes that very well could happen with prithvi shaw uh but i think i think that's our uh, that's our podcast for today right uh in terms of what we wanted to discuss uh, and because we've got sanjeet uh, on the show today i think uh, we're going to we're going to spend some time learning about his book so this is much more of like rapid fire sanjeet for you okay so sure i mean you have written a book uh, and basically it's it's about a cricketer that not a whole lot of us know about uh, hugh taffield and the name of the book is the inscrutable master um, again it's published by barnes and nobles and all the big publishers but why the heck did you even choose to write a book about a cricketer that very few people know about and what gave you that motivation to even research about that in the first place so it's it's interesting um hugh tayfield i came across this gentleman when i was reading a book uh during the lockdown um this was on the 1956 57 uh, england tour to south africa and england at that time was the best cricket team in the world they had won the ashes three times in succession and in that series Uh, which was played for over five test matches in in south africa on absolutely green tops i discovered this bowler and off spinner who took 37 wickets in just five test matches against the best team in the world and brought brought back uh, and you know the series was squared to all so south africa uh, was down 0-2 at the end of the third match and then uh, because of tayfield's exploits they came back to square the series and uh, that caught my fancy and you know i tried to understand how could somebody bowl i have seen spinners struggle all the time in south africa and here is a person who could take 37 wickets in a, in a series um, so i went and looked at uh, uh, his playing days uh, the series that he has played across all countries and he's actually quite well known in england in in australia and new zealand the reason being that in the 1950s there was apartheid in south africa and south africa only played against the white only teams so they did not play against india pakistan or uh, west indies at that time and that's why we don't know much about him uh, in 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 in, in uh, from an indian perspective or from a south asian perspective um but if you look at it in in most of the literature on the 1950s world of spin as they call it uh, you had hugh tayfield and when i spoke to people like bishan singh bedi and dilip doshi about him uh, who were spinners in their own own uh, merit 
uh, they really regard Hugh Tayfield as one of the finest that the world has ever produced. So that's what caught my interest. And I thought that this story has to be told and it had to be brought out uh, for the cricketing world. And uh, the other thing that I kind of came across, because I mean, I came across this just yesterday, right? So uh, Abbas Ali Baig said that he was as good as Jim Laker, who was the 10 wicket uh, taker, right? I mean, Anil Kubile yeah. kind of just, uh, was the other guy, but Jim Laker. So that's kind of comparing him with the best of the lot, right? Exactly. So you know the stats. Uh, Hugh Tefield played 37 test matches and took 170 wickets. And that uh, is basically a testament to his abilities. And you remember, he, uh, like I said, he played only on green tops where the yeah. pitchers were made to help fast bowlers, not spinners. And Abbas Ali Beg is, is very interesting. He's probably the only Indian batsman who played against Hugh Tayfield. Because Mr. Beg, as you know, uh, used to was playing for Oxford when he was called to play for India and scored a century on debut against Fred Truman's attack in 1959. So in 1960, he actually played against Tayfield uh, when South Africa toured uh, uh, England. So. I thought he was there and, and Mr. Baker is a very close friend of mine. I meet him every every uh, fortnight. And uh, even he was uh, very surprised that, you know, I came up with this topic. And when I spoke to him, uh, he said that it's, it's a wonderful thing because, yes, I rate him next to uh, probably the same as Jim Laker, who's one of the finest off spinners the world has ever produced. No, superb. I think, I think how much time did it take for you to write the book? Um, well, the writing part took about almost a year for me because I had to, like I said, research on every match he had played. There's not much uh, information on the internet. So I went and looked at eyewitness accounts of those matches uh, of people who had written. So then, then the whole second process was to collect those books because they're not available anywhere. So I had to yeah. uh, scout eBay for days and days to find if somebody's selling a book, then buy it and then read it. And then... Um, it took me almost uh, a year to write it and then collecting the photographs also took another six months because they're very rare. I mean, the, the kind of books you talked about, uh, it's just crazy. I've not even known about them. So what are your top three books that you can recommend for us uh, who've not read a whole lot of cricket books? Okay. So I think rather than going by books, I would suggest go by the authors. Okay. Okay. So I think the finest, uh, uh, so I'll give you something from the past and a couple of writers from the present day. All right. So that should help. I think the, by, by far the best cricket writer has been Neville Cardus. So Neville Cardus, any of his books you could pick up and read. Uh, he used to write about English and Australian cricket. And uh, I think he's considered to be the William, William Shakespeare of cricket literature. Um, so from he's from England. Uh, from Australia, you would love to read Ray Robinson, who was who has written uh, a book called uh, his first book was called Between Wickets, which talks about the Bodyline series. Uh, and there's a famous English writer called Alan Ross, um, who was born in India, and he's actually a poet. And you know, I discovered Tayfield in one of his books called Cape Summer. I think among the part of uh, in the in, uh, the older writers, these three are probably my favorites, and I suggest everyone to read them. Among the new writers, I think it's Gideon Haig, uh, the gentleman who's written Washi Makram's book, but he has a few other which are real masterpieces, like on Shane. It's called On One, which is yeah, that one I have read. It's it's really good. That one I have read. It's really good. 
And then there's one on Jack Iverson, the mystery spinner. Uh, and of course, he's one. He's got one on the Packer series, which one should read. And the the second uh, one is, of course, he's a commentator, Mark Nicholas. Yeah, of course. And if you ever get a chance to read even his articles on cricket, so they they are a treat to treat to read. And there is a book which I would suggest for everyone to read. It's called The Unforgiven. Unforgiven is about the rebel tour of the West Indies cricket team to South Africa and what happened to those guys. So it was an award-winning book uh, written by Ashley Gray, uh, who lives in Sydney. And Ashley is a good friend of mine. Um, I think it is one of the most, uh, uh, you know, it's a very moving book on what happened to these cricketers. They had gone to play cricket and make money, much like the ICL, right? The Indian Cricket League. But what yeah. happened to them afterwards was, was very sad. I mean, how they were ostracized. And in fact, based on his book, I traced Alvin Kalicharan all the way to Raleigh in, in, in your line in the yeah. US. And I got yeah. his autograph. By the way, Alvin Kalicharan so, is a fan of Cricket Adel. Just just saying. He's, uh, wonderful, he's been wonderful. on our, he's been on our uh, one of the events before. So he's 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 so even, even Lawrence Rowe lives down mm -hmm. in Florida now. Okay. Wow. Lawrence Fantastic. Rowe, uh, South uh, Fouth Buckus, if you remember, he scored a double century against India. Yeah. Yeah. So these are some of the uh, I think uh, the authors that one should look at. And I think among the Indian writers, my favorite is Suresh Menon. He writes yeah. a column down in the Hindu, and I think he's probably one of the finest. He, along with the Ramachandra Guha, probably one of the finest yeah. writers yeah. the yeah. Uh, Indian cricket world has seen. Amazing, amazing. Honestly, the the I mean, I I know about Suresh Menon. I, I mean, I told you about uh, I have his book on Patodi, which is just a compilation. But uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely will check those out now that you've kind of recommended the other writers. I had no idea about, so I think. Uh, yeah. I, I learned Here's my book, uh, just to show you. Uh, yeah, show it on the screen, show it on the middle of the yeah, camera. Yeah, just trying to get it back here. Yeah. So go. that's how it looks. Okay. It's called The Inscrutable Master. And you yeah, it's on Amazon, UTP. right? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Fantastic. Nice. nice. That's, so that's, that's super cool, man. I think, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You were saying something. So, this photograph is actually at the MCG in 1952. He is the first bowler to take 13 wickets at the MCG. Wow. First spinner or first bowler? Uh, he's the first bowler, actually. I don't think anybody had taken 13 wickets before him. Oh, wow. Definitely the first spinner. But I guess yeah. he's also... And there is a record which he shares with Bapu Natkarni. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bapu Natkarni has the highest number of maiden overs. In terms yeah. of deliveries, it is Hugh Tafefield. Because oh, okay. they used to have eight ball overs, eight ball overs yeah. in South yeah, Africa. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Very cool. Yeah, you Very mentioned us. I had heard a, a story about Neville Cardas. He was he was a English, of course, he was an Englishman, but he was such a big fan of Don Bradman yeah. that every time uh, he would watch Ashes game, he would hope that Australia would get all out for under two hundred, but Bradman would still score a hundred. Exactly. That, that was a funny thing about Neville Cardas. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, we've, we've got Nikhil, uh, who's who's our retro guy. He kind of brings out stories. But thank you so much, Sanjeet, uh, today for coming on board. Wonderful. And, thank uh, you for having me, Etushep. Absolutely. Yeah, the inscrutable master, it's available everywhere. All right. That's, Amar. that's the episode, guys.
Thank you for listening. Again, hit subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify. We'll see you next week.